Perform this on demand. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This on Blaze Podcast Network. Find us at blaze.com. Blaze.com. The blaze.com backslash podcasts. And look for Reform This, among other podcasts on Blaze Podcast Network. And week to week, if you're looking for that voice of freedom, of liberty, American Muslim who is willing to take on the realities of a relatively silent faith community that hasn't confronted the ideas that foment and ferment radicalization and the ideas of political Islam that need deep reform, this is the place to start. Week to week, I find for you a few topics that I think highlight the areas that we need to have a conversation on in America and across the world to begin to have a reality check of what we're up against. And this week is no different. I want to talk about, we've talked about Saudi Arabia many times here, and for those of you who have been faithful listeners, I'm sure you have uh, no confusion about where I stand about the Saudi mafia, the Saudi royal mafia uh, that is an autocratic monarchy, uh, among the many other Arab dictators that run ruthlessly regimes across the Middle East. The Arab Spring, we thought in 2011, was going to be the beginning of a huge change, but for various reasons and a host of failures and and beginnings of more radical networks and other things which we can talk about uh, vary on a country-to-country basis, most of those have failed. With the shining exception of Tunisia that I think is beginning to show the seeds of real secular democracy with certainly influence from Al-Nahda or the Islamists, and Iraq, which is still failing and now has been taken over by Iran, but also has many signs of a vibrant media, vibrant conversations in the public that they did not obviously have under Saddam Hussein, but we can talk about all that on a country-to-country basis. What I want to talk about, though, is Saudi Arabia. With the Khashoggi affair, the the... Uh, crime committed by the higher-ups of the Saudi regime, uh, there has still been this appetite, this conversation that persists longer than anything I've ever seen about a need to do something, a need to punish the Saudis. Now, I guess people have been ignoring the 17 uh, uh, Saudis that have been sanctioned, that have been uh, uh, now punished, with assets, I believe, seized and other things by the Department of Treasury. Uh, No, that was not enough. They want a head. And Lindsey Graham today went to new territory when it comes to American foreign policy as a result of a crime against an individual. He wants a basically a de facto president, a de facto head of state to step down. So he's calling for regime change. I'll quote some of his quotes in a second. But let's be clear. 
let's be clear. Now, clearly, the Saudis are an ally, so they may be held to a different standard. But Khashoggi was, now it's been proven that even though he was working for the Washington Post and uh, was perceived by the Post to be a journalist, though you could argue whether he was an activist or a journalist, the bottom line is he was, on, he was here on a visa, so he was a Saudi citizen. That doesn't in any way, and again, I, I'm going to say this so that people, if you listen to this podcast and have never listened to anything I've said, you may then want to assume that I'm somehow uh, apologizing for or excusing a, a horrific assassination of an innocent individual because of ideas, and I'm not doing that. There's nothing more heinous than a regime that will assassinate its citizens both domestically and abroad, like the Saudis, like the Russians, like the Turks, like the Iranians, like the Egyptian regime, or any other regime that does that as part of its operation to snuff dissent. That is evil. And make no mistake, whoever ordered the assassination of Khashoggi is at their core evil. But so is the individuals that ordered the bombing of innocent neighborhoods in Yemen against, as they fight a war, which might be legitimate against the Houthis in Yemen. So is also evil a regime that would whip and flog Rafe Bedoui. Why? Because he started an organization called Free Saudi Liberals. Why? Because he chose to criticize the regime or chose to like on Facebook a Christian Facebook page. The list of dissidents include Walid Abu Khair, who I've called your attention to many times on this podcast, the attorney for Rafe Bedoui, who was flogged and also put in jail and has now been in prison for over four years and is serving a 10-year sentence. Why? Because he defended Rafe Bedoui. And those are three names that immediately should be on the tip of all of your tongues. And there are thousands others like them. Many senators with more rational thought than Lindsey Graham. And I'm going to get to a second why I think his points are irrational. First of all, I, I want to give him applause for being one of the first politicians to actually take on an ally openly and hold them, try to hold them accountable as dysfunctional as his attempts are this week. And I emphasize dysfunctional. They're clearly dysfunctional. Yes, Saudi Arabia is a strategic ally worth saving, as Graham said in his press conference. And as he said, but not at all costs. But this selective outrage is selective outrage. Rand Paul also had selective outrage about Khashoggi, but never seemed to have outrage about Iran when he voted against the sanctions and for the nuclear deal, or Russia when he voted against any sanctions against Russia, and he, when he and Bernie Sanders were the only senators that seemed to vote for the Russian and Iranian regimes that are evil and have killed Americans and worked against our interests, as we see with Hezbollah and the radicalization of terror groups across the Shia Crescent. No. The bottom line is, is let's look at some of the quotes now. What did Lindsey Graham say this week? So I'm not, listen, I'm not one to uh, not have been critical of the Saudis, and you have to give them applause for their new courage, but this needs to be strategic. If you're talking about regime change, if the Arab awakening talk, taught us anything, it needs to come from within. And if anything, the United States strategy in the 20th century where we worked with sort of these 
stable dictators. They were not stable, and they were actually radicalizing their population, but they appeared to be stable because like Hafez Assad, the father in Syria, who was much more intelligent and much more savvy to the ways of international stability than his ophthalmologist son who wreaked havoc on the political system in Syria, was just as evil, just as genocidal, but wreaked havoc in a way that destabilized it and basically set the stage for initially the Damascus Spring in 2005 as Bashar took over in 2000, and then the actual Syrian revolution that began in 2011. Now, nobody would have predicted that the world would turn a blind eye repeatedly to all of the crimes against humanity. And again, I'm not talking about sending in troops. I'm simply talking about working with those who share our values as they try to have a revolution or preventing the Russians and Iranians from interfering and propping up Bashar al-Assad. But again, that was a destabilization that happened naturally. When you look at the Saudis, now you have Lindsey Graham this week saying, Crown Prince bin Salman is a wrecking ball. MBS is a wrecking ball. He said this after he emerged from the CIA briefing on the murder of the Washington Post writer, Jamal Khashoggi. He said if the Saudi government is going to be in the hands of this man for a long time to come, I find it very difficult to be able to do business because I think he's crazy. I think he's dangerous and he's just put this relationship at risk. And he goes on. So let me get this right. Senator Graham's outrage is appropriate about Khashoggi. But the fact that he didn't say similar outrage about Rafe Bedoui, about all the times the U.S. Commission on Religious Freedom has called the Saudis the worst offenders of religious freedom on the planet, where you can't build a church, where you can't bring in even alternative translations of the Quran, where you have women who can't even wear what they want, who can't even uncover their faces and have no identity. You have the most misogynistic, tyrannical regime on the planet, and he didn't seem to care, but now a Washington Post writer, who, by the way, in August wrote a piece defending openly, openly the Muslim Brotherhood and political Islam. So this is not somebody who shares our values despite the reviews of the Washington Post and other leftist media. That doesn't, again, legitimize his death. Some of the greatest heroes in the Syrian revolution were communists, socialists, folks who I would never want to share any political adherence with, but at the end of the day, they wanted democracy. They wanted political party freedom against the Ba'athists who had one party for one country, which is fascism. So in Saudi Arabia, yes, it's a monarchical fascist system, and Graham should have been consistently calling that. We have been consistently calling for sanctions against the Saudis because of religious freedom abuses, and the they killed 47 innocents last year by beheading them and we call that out in 2016 and they assassinated four clerics who were from minority sex shia sex and nobody seemed to say anything obama was president and it seemed to not matter didn't matter when bush was president either didn't matter when clinton bush 41 reagan none of them seemed to matter in fact i'll remind you reagan was palling around with Adnan Khashoggi, the wealthiest Saudi in the 20th century, who was an international arms dealer, 
And now this guy's nephew is supposed to be the icon of religious freedom, of free thinking, because six months ago he decided to abandon the royal family and and start working in the Gulf and then came to the United States and was upset with what the crown prince was doing. Again, we can get into the details of the Khashoggi case, but right now we see Senator Graham saying that his ultimate goal is to stop the arms deal. And one senator can do that. One senator can hold up an arms sales. Now, if the Saudis decide to go south on us and start working with the Russians, is that what he wants them to do? Does he want them to start working with other enemies that seem to have common enemies? The Obama-era fealty to the Iranians destabilized the Middle East from the 20th century. And it didn't destabilize it, I think, towards democracy, as some of the neoconservatives and those of us that wanted demo- want democracy and freedom for people across the Middle East and across the world. No, it destabilized it worse towards tyranny, towards the Iranians who call for death to America, death to Israel, the, the anti-Semitic, draconian, medieval regime of the Iranians, and have now pitted them in a schism against the Saudis that is greater than it's been in over a century. Where is this going? Senator Graham basically has called for the head of MBS to come down and that that would then make the relationship better. Why not ask for the release of other prisoners? I don't get it, Senator. Is this really about MBS? You think he's a wrecking ball? I would tell you that let the internal politics, the internal dynamics of Saudi Arabia determine what happens in that region, what happens in their country. It will work itself out. As bad as the Syrian revolution was, I will tell you that Bashar's incompetence is what led to that destabilization. So if MBS is as incompetent as you say, is it really in the Saudis' interest to have a competent dictator? who knows how to make the Lindsey Grahams of the world think that they love us, and then you find the next dictator that then you own as an American, where we have certain values and the Saudi population believes that, no, the next prince that comes is one that we're happy with, even though they continue to behead folks every day in the chop shop square in Jeddah, even though they continue to cut the hands, cut the arms of those who steal even though they continue to empower Wahhabi radical clerics and they continue to distribute texts that are anti-Semitic and anti-Western, anti-Christian and anti-freedom. They might have some wrestling matches, they might open up, but at the end of the day, they don't share any of our values. So is the way to fix that to call for the head of whoever happens to be running the country right now? Or is the way to fix that to punish them through sanctions as we did with the 17 people and then begin to work with movements on the ground through covert and some overt pressures. Because you alienate somebody who King Salman has empowered to be the de facto president and what that's simply going to do is empower him more as he did a high five with Putin at the G20 this week. That image should be ingrained in Senator Graham's 
mind. The thugs of the world have come together, and even the Washington Post in their editorial this week talk about the Saudi thuggish regime. This is new? Now the Washington Post has discovered the fact that the Washington Post, that the the Saudis, I'm sorry, that the Saudis are thugs? They've been thugs as long as they've been running that country. They don't apply any rule of law. They have hypocrisy to the way they live internally. They have playboys who are princes, who are, uh, this is a mafia to the nth degree. So if there's going to be any future of freedom for the Saudis, it is going to come when they internally, just like the Soviets fell apart internally because of external pressures that we called for. We never asked for for Brezhnev or Khrushchev or any of the, the, the uh, dictators of the Soviet Union. We demanded that they step down in order for us to deal with them. I understand they weren't our ally like the Saudis are, but this is the problem when we have deep, heavy, passionate allies with thugs. So maybe we should tone down the friendship with the regime, but hold them accountable to all these things, but yet not abandon them. Because we need to telescope and understand what happens as a result. So Senator Graham, arm sales is a way in which we balance the influence of the Russians and the Iranians when they sell arms to the Assad, to the Hezbollah, to the Houthis of the region. We abandon the Saudis and it might destabilize their country. And then you have Mecca taken over by Iran. What would that do? You end up with a regional conflagration between the Sunni and Shia that would then pull us in for sure, not to mention what happens to oil prices. Now, oil prices have always been one to say, we need alternative energies. We need to not be beholden to oil prices because that is the whole reason we have maintained friends with a country that shares none of our values. So I'm not one to be keen on doing anything with the Saudis because of oil prices. But come on, on the Khashoggi affair, that's what we're going to, to push this? So two things, Senator Graham. I hope not only that he changes his mind, but he's already roundly criticized for support of the Libyan revolution, and look what happened there, support of the Egyptian revolution as the Muslim Brotherhood came to power. And Khashoggi and what the Saudis are doing, remember you have two major tyrannical forces fighting in Saudi Arabia. One are the Islamists of the of the Brotherhood, versus the Wahhabi Salafis in the royal family. So MBS declared war six, seven months ago and had any of his royal family that were helping the Brotherhood imprisoned, locked up at the Ritz-Carlton until they gave over all their money and stopped funding Muslim Brotherhood causes around the world. Khashoggi was one of those Islamist sympathizers. So ultimately, bin Salman wanted to get to him. And he did. We should condemn that roundly and soundly without equivocation. But the call for the stepping down of a president then opens up other countries, Turkey, Russia, Iran, to start calling down, calling for the stepping down of a U.S. president. Even in major times of global conflict, that has not been something on the table typically. 
So even strategically from a statesman perspective, it just doesn't seem to make sense unless we have the arrogance to believe that those dictators are ours. If they are, then we did buy and pay for and own all of the crimes against humanity being done by the Saudis against women, against minorities, against Yemenis and others. And that's absurd. So we deal with the realpolitik. We start to hold them much more accountable and begin to bring some of the things that, yes, Senator Graham talked about, but stop the selective, the, the, the selective indignation and stop the game of thrones where we pick which king will be ours because then it'll be ours and we buy their crimes. No, if he is a wrecking ball, I would tell you that that will also run its course and that might be actually a good thing. Syria has seen over half a million dead, 10 million displaced. But at the end, that revolution was the beginning of the end of the Assad regime. Yes, Assad survives, the Ba'ath still survive, but it's the beginning of their end. They will not last this generation. Same thing in Iran. That Iranian regime will not last this generation. The Saudis will not last this generation. But them coming down should be something that they do to themselves, as we saw with the Soviets, rather than we pick and choose, because any time we pick and choose, as the 20th century proved, we only exchange one evil for another. And then we end up being globally the ones that have a hard time arguing that we did not. Look at what we did in picking sides in the Iran-Iraq war. So, and please don't label what Graham's talking about as the advocacy for democracy. If Senator Graham's asking for the stepping down of MBS as advocacy for democracy in Saudi Arabia and regime change, that is BS. That's BS. He simply is upset with MBS and is exasperated and wants his head on a plate to prove how powerful he is. There's nothing about democratic change in his talk. There's nothing about uh, about freeing dissidents. I didn't hear one word from Senator Graham about freeing all the dissidents in jail in Saudi Arabia. If that's really what he wanted, that's what he would have been saying. So please stop it. You, Senator Paul, stop the, the nonsense. Paul, as I said, has also been selectively indignant on this. All right, when we come back, I want to talk to you about the UN vote this week to condemn Hamas. Ambassador Haley did a, a, a fantastic job by, before her departure in highlighting and showing how all the resolutions against Israel, you can say what you want about them, they're orchestrated by the theocrats, the thugs of the OIC, the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, but at the end of the day, a resolution to simply condemn Hamas missiles into Israel exposed the fraud, the facade that is the UN. Dr. Zudi Jasser, welcome back to Reform This. Always great to be with you. 
I was doing a little venting about the inconsistencies and the moral outrage with asynchronous response to previous outrage of the Saudis. And I have to tell you, I was, I was saving this for this segment. Uh, Chris Matthews on Hardball even said, intimated that somehow MBS should be killed, that he should be assassinated, that he should be beheaded. Even spoke to John Brennan, former CIA director, who also seemed to intimate that. This is just absurd. This is mob-like nonsense. This is the leaders of thought leaders, if you will, in the free world talking about going after understandably hypocritically an ally. Yes, I never understood why the Saudis were an ally, but they are. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to hold them accountable, even though all the other crimes against humanity, we don't. So, so Senator Graham, Senator Paul, Chris Matthews, the Washington Post, the establishment, if you will, now, and their apoplexy are hypocrites. Let the, and I will end on sort of my, my principles and approaching that I've learned. I have had an evolution. You know, I believed sort of uh, uh, in a naive kind of way that we could hope and pray for democracy and we remove a dictator and you'll have democracy evolve. And as an American-born Syrian of, rather as, as an American-born uh, Muslim of Syrian origin, I had this naivete about understanding the culture from which my parents escaped and understanding that you have generations, if not centuries, of lack of reform in religious issues. You have centuries of uh, political stagnation, of a lack of reading of Western Enlightenment authors, so many things that will need time to repair. So these countries will need to go through their own evolutions. So there's anything sort of my 21st century variety understanding. And I wrote about this in a battle for the soul of Islam, where I said, you know, we used to look at countries as either our allies, like Pakistan, or our enemies, like Iran. And there needs to be a ABCDF approach, where the Pakistans of the world may not be an F, but they sure are a D minus. The Saudi Arabias are not an F, but they're a D minus. Yes, on human rights, they might be an F, but from realpolitik, they meaning sort of making things work in a non-World War Four kind of way, World War Three, whatever you want to call it. Ultimately, we need to have a more stable approach to change, but yet hold them accountable. We've tried to hold them accountable futilely and said things in the 70s like we did in the 80s, like we did in the 90s, like we did in the 2000s, only to have them kick the can down the road and play us for fools. They never meant change. The Saudi royal family never means change. Maybe MBS means some little change. Maybe his 2030 program has some factuality to it. I doubt it if you look at their 1980 program or King Fahad's 17, I'm sorry, 1975 program or whatever it might be. They've always had some plans to keep the West dizzy and deceived, but ultimately they never did anything but maintain power. The one good thing about what's happening with MBS is he's marginalizing the Muslim Brotherhood. So globally, the Saudi influence and their op and their information operation will go down significantly. Because if they abandon the Brotherhood, which they have now done, that is in American interest and ultimately will begin to weaken 
the Islamist infrastructure. We have to have a strategy. So my principles for approaching the Middle East, number one, work with real allies on the ground. There are dissidents. There are those we should be advocating for. That's who should be coming off the lips of Lindsey Graham and Senator Paul and others are Saudi dissidents that share our values, Iranian dissidents that share our values. Say their names, Walid Abu Khair, Raif Bedoui, say their names, and I'll believe that you care about Saudi principles, about Saudi human rights. I don't care about which prince comes next in their Game of Thrones. That is BS. It's all the same. So if MBS leaves like Chris Matthews and Senator Graham want, what's going to come next? Changing the, the chairs on the deck of the Titanic doesn't matter. Their country days are numbered if we approach this in a very pragmatic way regionally. Second, we look at American interests. American interests in the region are to weaken Iran. If Iran goes and the theocracy falls, ultimately Saudi Arabia, even though it's the Sunni part of the Sunni-Shia polarization, will come next. If Iran falls, the entire Middle East will begin to weaken further, as will Assad first, Hezbollah next, and then Sunni dictators will see their days numbered. That is the generational strategy. That's what needs to happen. Last, we need to begin to become accountable to ourselves for the principles that we advance. So yes, there is some silver lining in what Senator Graham's talking about. We have finally removed the clothes of the emperor of the Saudis. So there is some silver lining there, but pragmatism <laughs> needs to needs to be paid attention to. This week also one of the things I want to talk about was the vote in the UN about Hamas. I think a brilliant stroke of clarity by Ambassador Haley who made it clear that when the UN struck down a vote to simply condemn Hamas and their launching of rockets, it showed that the majority of the UN are thugs and dictators who want nothing to do with reality, freedom, and identifying and bonding with real democracies. And that's what Israel is a real democracy in the Middle East. And not to condemn a, a, an organization that the United States has for long appropriately called a terror organization. And by the way, you, our new little red-green access, including Congresswoman Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib from Detroit and Minnesota, they're not going on the APAC trip that many new members of Congress go on to Israel. They're going to the West Bank. And tell me they're not going to be endorsing Hamas. Tell me that they're going to give speeches critical of Hamas while they're there. I doubt it. Will the media expose that? I doubt it. But pay attention to it. Real reformers would pay attention to it. Real, honest American Muslims would pay attention to those who claim to represent us and yet go over there to endorse radical terror organizations like Hamas, just like the Holy Land Foundation did, and thankfully their board of directors was jailed after an appropriately exposing trial in 2008. But I guess members of Congress can go on trips to endorse Hamas, and nobody will say anything. We'll see. But the UN today, has this week, has spoken, and the UN clearly endorsed Hamas and would not stand by the ally of the free world, Israel. So tell me that the OIC, the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, 
led and based in Saudi Arabia, is allies with the United States? Absolutely not. The new axis of evil is Turkey, Qatar, Hamas, and Iran. That is the axis of evil with the viral Islamists. And their influence in the UN is quite significant because with them, when they want to push things through internationally, you end up having our allies like Egypt and Saudi Arabia and Russia. Well, Russia is not an ally, but ultimately Russia ends up voting against our interests in these, in Syria and elsewhere. But we're not at war with them. It's quite complicated, ladies and gentlemen, but I hope you understand that those of us who have families that escaped there, that were political refugees, that are trying to reform our faith, understand how Western freedom was accomplished and how the Enlightenment process happened, have something to give you, have something to contribute to this conversation. Unfortunately, the conversation in Washington now, when it comes to these issues of strategy in the Middle East, what is the Game of Thrones that we should be playing? Unfortunately, that conversation is left between one side, that is, pro-Islamist that equates democracy with Islamism or pro-dictator and pro-thugs. And the majority of us are actually trying to find a way to let those countries have some self-determination, get the interventionists of the Russians and the Iranians out of interfering and allow these people to determine their own fate without being a threat to the rest of the region. Now that's easier said than done, but there are ways to hold to that principle and develop a doctrine from that. Lindsey Graham has no doctrine. The UN's doctrine is pro-Hamas and pro-Islamist and anti-Israel. We should abandon and defund the UN and stop endorsing an international organization that claims to be in the eyes of Eleanor Roosevelt about providing a platform for free countries to advance principles of freedom and stability and security and has ended up being a majoritocracy of dictatorships. Let's see what the media says in response to the UN endorsement of Hamas this week. This is Zudi Jasser. It's always a pleasure and honor to be with you. Thank you for tuning in to the Blaze Podcast Network. I'll talk to you next week. God bless. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.